0: No longer will you be driving home in tears over the overwhelming feeling of trying to manage student behaviors. So sit back, listen up, and start seeing success. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Teaching Behavior Together podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all about how to teach social skills to our kids, So this is a very popular topic in that a lot of our students need some explicit foundational skills in regards to social skills, and focusing on how we can teach our students those skills explicitly will really lead to a lot of success for our students, and that's the goal. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, so let's get right into it. First, social skills are foundational skills that students need to interact with their peers. There are many different social skills we can teach our students, but in this episode, we're going to be talking about a few social skills that can help create the foundation for more complex social skills in the future. And the four targeted social skills we're going to talk about today are listening to others or waiting your turn to speak, taking turns, sharing, and using kind words. I want to focus on these skills because they really help students develop skills for interacting with their peers in appropriate ways that can later lead to more complex social skills like showing empathy, problem solving, or conflict resolution. I also want to talk about that social skills can be really unique and that the reinforcement often occurs through reciprocal actions of the peer the student is interacting with. Think about the attention function of behavior. Attention from peers and adults can reinforce behavior. Therefore, the attention that is given in a peer-to-peer interaction can be reinforcing enough to maintain these behaviors without external reinforcement that can be associated with new skill building. Remember when we talked in previous episodes about building skills? We talked about how when we build skills, we often have to reinforce that behavior very often when the skill is first developing, so we see an increase in that skill, right? Well, with social skills, the attention from a peer is often serving that need, which takes away some of the pressure off of you as a teacher. Plus, this is great for independence so that we don't have to fade out an external reinforcer in the future. That's one of the great things about teaching social skills is that the reinforcer of interacting with someone else is often enough to build that skill and maintain that skill over time. And we don't have to add that external reinforcer that we sometimes have to add when we are building on other skills. So I just wanted to make that note and also note that this might not be true for all students. Social skills might be a challenge for some of our students and attention from peers might not be that reinforcing. In these situations, it might be important to make a more individualized social skills plan for those students so they can develop these skills without it becoming aversive. So, okay, we're going to get right into how we're actually going to teach these social skills right now. If you've listened to any of the other episodes where I talked about building a skill, you know that I talk about explicit teaching of skills and really teaching those foundational skills that are needed to build on the skill in general to a more complex form of that skill. And it's no different with social skills. So we're going to talk about the four different social skills I mentioned a little bit earlier and how I would teach them explicitly to our students and how I would start with the smallest component of that skill and really build on the skill so that we are teaching a more complex version of that skill. I hope that makes sense. We're going to talk about each one of them and break it down for each one of them. But I just wanted to lay that framework really quickly that I believe in teaching skills explicitly and teaching skills in a way that allows us to start with a very basic skill so the students can be really successful and then build on that basic form of the skill into a more complex form of the skill. So we're really using scaffolding and reinforcement to really build these skills over time so that our students can be successful. So let's get right into our first one and that's listening. This can be a really fun skill to teach. When I teach listening, I try and start with listening stamina. Stamina for a skill can often be the foundation of that skill. In ABA, we often build stamina through increasing the amount of time or some aspect of the behavior that the student engages in in a very systematic way. For listening stamina, I typically start with having the student listen to short, silly, nonsense sentences that students listen to and repeat back to me. I gradually increase the length of the sentences, and depending on the group, I might just start off with a longer sentence if I feel that it's appropriate but a foundational skill for listening to a peer is having listening stamina. This is a skill that allows students listen to others, understand what they've said, and repeat it back. Once we've practiced that for a while, I pair the students up and have them practice listening to each other. The students create a short fictional story and read it to the other student. The other student listens and repeats the story back. After we practice this for a while, we then just talk about a real story the student wants to share and do the same process. Again, because students are interacting with each other, the attention from the peer interaction serves as a reinforcer and builds the skill. I think you know by now that I like teaching skills explicitly, and I just said that again. Through this process, I just described we are scaffolding, fading, and reinforcing that listening skill. With these activities, we're really teaching the students to listen carefully to what I'm saying. Like with those nonsense sentences that I read to them, they're just like a bunch of words put together. So the student really has to pay attention to what words I'm saying and then repeat them back to me. And I start with really short sentences so that the students can really pay attention and build on that stamina. And this teaches them that when someone is speaking, that you listen to their words for understanding and comprehension. Not that we just kind of listen passively, but sometimes we Listen really actively to our friends and our peers so we know what they're saying and then we can respond appropriately. And by appropriately, I mean something that or a response that will foster that reciprocal back and forth with that peer. So we might have some instances where a peer talks to another peer and when they're talking, the second peer responds with something that's either off topic or something that wasn't about what the first peer was talking about. And then that first peer might be like, all right, well, they're not listening. I'm going to go talk to someone else and breaks that reciprocal interaction. So we want to make sure that we're teaching our students how to engage in that reciprocal interaction so that it fosters that continued back and forth of conversation and social interaction. So that's basically how I teach listening, those foundational skills of listening. And when I'm talking about listening, I'm talking about listening in the form of social skills, not listening for quote unquote compliance. That's an entirely different skill, but listening to be able to interact with someone on a social level or interact with someone in that reciprocal way. So now we're going to talk about sharing. And before I do that, though, I do want to say that with all of these skills and all of these activities that I talk about, you can do these over and over and over again. Like with the listening activity, you can do those nonsense sentences over and over and over to keep building that skill and having students talk with each other and share different stories with each other. You can pair them up different times with different students and stuff like that so that you can continue utilizing these activities throughout your school year, throughout the month that. You're teaching this specific skill or whatever like it might be in your classroom but i do like to make a framework for activities as opposed to like a specific activity that this is how you teach listening the framework is is that you build on those listening skills and that listening stamina so that students have those foundational skills and they're only going to develop the foundational skills as if you repeat these activities over and over so i hope that makes sense with i don't just say like here is a worksheet with 10 sentences on them read them to your partners see if you will understand them, can repeat them back to each other and then move on to the next activity. But these are things that you can do over and over. So that's why I just wanted to lay this framework for these different activities in that you can repeat them. You can repeat them as a whole class. You can repeat them in small groups for students who might need more targeted intensive intervention on these skills. So I just wanted to highlight that really quickly. These are not just like one and done activities, but things that you can continue to do to really build the skills. So that's why I just wanted to make sure I noticed that so that you are utilizing these as much as needed and your students are really seeing success from that. So with sharing, what I do first is we really define what sharing is because that can look very different from child to child and we want to make sure that we have a common understanding of what sharing is and really build that definition or framework of sharing together as a group, as a class, whatever that might be so that everyone really understands what sharing looks and sounds like. Then based on that, I would model sharing to the students and then I would let them practice with each other. And I usually have this fun activity where the students go pick out their favorite item or bring in their favorite item and they get to sit with a peer and talk about that specific item for a like designated amount of time, say 15. five minutes, not 15 minutes, say five minutes, and they're talking about their item. They're showing their other friend their item and just like saying why it's their favorite item and then they switch. So the second peer does the same thing where they talk about their item, why they like it so much and why it's their favorite, and then they actually switch their items. So then the other student gets a chance to play with another student's favorite item. And this can just help build the skill of telling another student about something that you like and are interested in and something that you find is your favorite or whatever it might be. And then also giving them a chance to use it, which I think is the hardest part of sharing is that when it's your favorite and you love it so much, you know, our kids love these little toys that they have or items or pictures or whatever it might be, giving it to someone else is often the hardest part of that. So I've just practiced that skill back and forth and allow them to really develop that reciprocal while wow, they're playing with my favorite item, I get to play with their favorite item. So that activity really just builds the foundation for that reciprocal sharing opportunity that we give students to just practice that sharing skill and sharing because again, it involves another person that attention from the other person can be reinforcing to help teach and maintain the skill. But sharing might be harder for some of our students and they might not want to give up their item or activity. So by doing it where both students are giving their favorite thing to the other person at the same time, that can help build the skill and really reinforce that skill. And then later on when it, they come into a natural situation where someone asks for something but doesn't have something to give them in return, they're able to share in that moment because students also realize that when they're sharing, it doesn't mean they give it up forever, that they get it back. And that's why I put time limits on my activity at first is that I put a timer up so students can visually see, okay, five minutes, I have to give this to someone else and they're giving me their object and then I can see on the board, there's only five minutes and then I get my item back. So sometimes that finite uh, timer and activity around it, or that structure around it, can really help students share in that moment and then really build the skill and build that connection between when I share something, doesn't mean I give it up forever, I get it back eventually, and help build that skill. So when they encounter it, when they're in a play group or something like that, they're able to share and engage with another activity while someone else is playing with the item that they had, and they're able to then ask for the item back or whatever it might be, which is really the next step of it is that we – do that activity again, but there's no timer on it. And the students just ask for it back when they want it back. And we practice when someone else asks for their item back, we give it back to them if they asked appropriately and nicely, and then we can ask for another turn. So that can be like the extension of the activity that you do, is that you do this a couple of times, really build that skill, and then leave it a little bit more open-ended and students can ask for it back as needed. So we practice that also. Really important key aspect of sharing is asking for something back And giving it back as well but again sharing can be difficult for some of our students so the skill is something that might take a little longer to develop because it's hard for students to share items they really like When I first introduced the concept, I always talk about why we share and how you can build friendships by sharing things you like with other people. So we frame it as by sharing things you're interested in, you can make friends and move past the idea that sharing means that you just give up the object while someone else plays for it, which can really help frame some students' understanding of the sharing concept. Now we're going to talk about turn-taking. And the turn-taking activity I do is one of my favorite activities to do with kids, but Turn-taking is different than sharing in that turn-taking is when we teach students that when playing a game or engaging in activity, we get a turn and everyone else gets a turn as well. While others are taking a turn, we are waiting. Now, waiting is a whole other skill so we can teach our students, which I do plan on doing a whole episode on, so stay tuned for that. With turn-taking, I like to frame it the same way I did with sharing, so we talk about it together and we define what turn-taking looks and sounds like as a group. And we then model it. So I model it for the students what turn-taking might look like. I usually have student volunteers that help me with this because you can't take turns when you're the only person modeling the skill. And then I give them time to practice that skill. And so we do this really fun activity where it's like a challenge. So I give the students two pieces of paper and one utensil to write or draw with. So like a pencil, marker, crayon, whatever it might be. And I tell them they have to draw a picture of something that's usually semi-complicated, like an amusement park or a playground or something that has a lot of detail so that their drawings take a little bit of time. And I tell them that they both have to draw whatever it might be, let's go with an amusement park. So they have to draw an amusement park. And they only have that one writing utensil to use amongst the two of them. So they have to take turns with it. So while one person is drawing, the other person is just waiting for their turn. So it builds on that skill of waiting and asking for a turn. So the students have to manage how they're going to do that. So I give them a couple of minutes to come up with a plan. And then I set a timer for like 10 minutes and tell them both of their pictures have to be done by the end of the time, 10 minutes. But only one person can be drawing at a time. So I give them this activity and they love it. It's so much fun because they're really building the skill of turn taking and learning how to manage that time well. And we do this over and over and over again because the first time usually both of them don't have their pictures done or at least don't have their pictures done to their liking and they want to add more detail. So they have to learn how to manage their time better as a group or as two turn takers, right? So we do this a couple of different times and I do a different picture each time and they just find it so fun. Fun and so engaging and it really just builds that skill of turn taking in a really fun, low stakes way because they're just both coming up with a work product, right? With this, the reinforcement for this skill really comes from interacting with each other as well as getting that work product done, right? So that sense of accomplishment can be really reinforcing. So as they build on this skill, as they problem solve, because I give them time to think about, okay, what different strategies can we use so that we're turn taking and we're both able to get our pictures done and then we do it again and we do it again and then we can switch partners and we can turn take with a different student. So it just can be really a fun, engaging activity to do with your students that you can keep doing over and over to really build this skill. Lastly, I teach students about using kind words. And when we talk about using kind words, again, we just sit as a group and we really define what kind words are, what they aren't. I really like using discrimination training for teaching kind words. But first, again, I just provide some information about kind words and have the students define it together because kind words can look differently for some of our students. And we wanna make sure that we as a group come to an understanding of what we all think is kind and what we all think is appropriate to say to each other. So typically with kind words, I typically do some sort of discrimination activity, like I mentioned, where we just discriminate between what kind and unkind words are. So with an ABA, there's a whole thing called discrimination training where we teach students how to tell the difference between different objects, items, colors, shapes, whatever it might be. And you can use that same concept when you're teaching things like using kind words, where we teach students to identify the difference between what's kind and what's unkind. Because some of our students really need that concrete example of what's kind and unkind to really understand what I can say to my friends to make them feel good or make them feel better if they're sad or something along those lines. So that's why I really focus on with kind and unkind words is really discriminating between the difference, right? So we want to really allow our students the opportunity to develop that skill of being able to tell the difference between something that is kind and something that is unkind. So that's pretty much all I have for you on how to teach these skills and the activities I use to teach the skills. Again, I use these activities over and over and over again and kids find them really fun and engaging. So I hope that you can use these with your students as well and they find them fun and engaging. Again, we talked about listening, using kind words, sharing and turn taking. Now, if you are looking for these activities or guided lessons on this, I do have an entire unit that is ready to go for you over on Teachers by Teachers. There is a link in the description that'll take you right to that unit. The unit comes with guided lessons for all of the skills that we've talked about. So the lessons are ready to go, ready for you to teach from. There are instructions for all of the activities as well as materials for all the activities and the unit comes in print and digital versions. So for the print version, it is just print and go, super low prep. For the digital version, it is just assigned to Google Classroom and go. And again, that's super low prep. The unit also comes with supporting materials like visuals that you can use to help reinforce these skills either in your classroom or a small group or whatever it might be. If you're interested in that, use the link in the description below. That'll take you right to the unit so you can get it on Teachers Pay Teachers and start using it with your students to teach these social skills. If you have any questions, you can message me over on Instagram at Together, and I'd be happy to answer any questions about the unit or social skills in general. As always, I hope this episode was really helpful and gave you some ideas on how you can teach these social skills in your classroom or your small groups. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it and have a great rest of the day.